You are listening to John DeYard's Life Spa, your premier source for health news in Ayurveda, where modern science meets ancient wisdom. Hi, welcome to LifeSpa.com, where we prove ancient medical wisdom with modern science. I'm Dr. John DeYard, and tonight we're going to talk about how to prevent seasonal allergies with Ayurveda. Uh, Ayurveda, the traditional system of medicine from India, thousands of years old, and when you have something that's thousands of years old, you have time-tested wisdom, right? Wisdom that's been around forever. And then when you can add modern science to that, I have, I think you have something that's really worth looking at and worth talking about. Uh, and I think that's really a critical, a real critical piece of the puzzle. Um, okay, good. Um, good. Okay. Um, so, so anyway, welcome to this live podcast. You're, you're, I just enabled the chat so you guys can talk to me along the way and hopefully we'll, that'll all work out. But tonight I want to talk about, um, uh, seasonal allergies and, and what they mean and, and how they come and particularly for your body type, vatas and pittas and kapas all actually get these allergies in a unique and different way. And it's important to know your constitution, to know what your owner's manuals is. And you can learn and get your body type done for free. We have an interactive body type questionnaire. Uh, if you go to the learn tab, I think if you hang on left, you'll see down at the bottom, it'll say quizzes. And then you can take our body type questionnaire, which is really, really popular and make sure that you know what your body type is. It's sort of like the owner's manual sort of tells you all about how to keep this thing running uh, optimally for the rest of your life. So it's a very, very important piece of the puzzle. So please check that out. And as we dive into to this discussion about body type related allergies, it, it should make more sense. You know, an allergy is a hypersensitive, overzealous immune response. That's what an allergy is. So we have to understand why would the body do that? Well, the body's simply put, you know, designed to get nutrition in and designed to get waste out. So why would it get hypersensitive? Well, I would imagine if it wasn't getting all of its nutritional needs met and not getting certain good things in, that it could create a problem digesting certain nutrients or micronutrients and nutrients, and that could create uh, a hypersensitivity reaction, right? Makes sense. You need, you know, you're going to bake a cake, you need all the ingredients to make the cake right. Otherwise, it doesn't work. But in the body, you also need the ability to get the waste out. And that, more often than not, is the thing that is problematic in the human body. From the Ayurvedic perspective, they say 85% of all imbalances start in the digestive system. But the digestive system is not just getting the good stuff in. It's very, very importantly the ability to get the bad stuff out. Your detox channels are linked to your digestive strength. So if you can't digest well, you can't detox well. So those two things go hand in hand. So it's very important that we have the ability to detoxify um, and get the nutrition in. So that's sort of where the rubber meets the road um, in terms of how well you digest and how well you eliminate. And if you don't do either one of those well, imagine if you couldn't take the trash out of your house for a month or two, you would become a little hypersensitive, maybe have an overzealous reaction to all the trash in your kitchen and freak out a little bit. Uh, and that's exactly what happens. So let's just dive in a, a little bit deeper and, and see, you know, some people get, you know, runny noses and coughs and itchy eyes and asthma and hives and 
eczema and uh, they get allergic to foods or they become food sensitive. Lots of these are what we commonly think of allergic reactions. But what we don't think about the common symptoms of allergic reactions are the ones we don't actually see, the, the allergy brewing uh, as an underlying imbalance that may take years to develop a hypersensitive uh, global immune response, right? So that can take a very, very long time. And, in, and um, how can I describe this? Maybe the best way to describe it is, is describing to you something that Ayurveda calls Udvartana. Udvartana means upward moving vata, upper moving wind, upper moving air, right? So this upward moving response of energy uh, is wrong because it's going up instead of down. So your elimination should go down, waste removal should go down. When you have upward moving energy, the waste is going up instead of down. And obviously that can cause problems, definitely in the ability to move the bad stuff out. But also when you clog up the kitchen, you can't cook anything new either because um, you can't get the good stuff in because there's no place to put it because you can't get the bad stuff out if you're, if you're following me. So, so by having upward moving vata or wind or impurities moving up, this can cause the inability not only to get the waste out, but also an inability to get the good stuff in as well over time, right? So, um, and interestingly is that upward moving vata will aggravate the seat of vata and the seat of pitta and the seat of kapha. <clears throat> the seat of vata is in your colon, in your intestinal tract. This is the source of vata, the source of your nervous system. So it's a pretty crazy concept. Again, think ancient wisdom, modern science. How do they know that your gut, your intestinal tract, which seems to be where all the waste goes, would be the source of your nervous system? It doesn't make any sense to me. And I, I learned that, gosh, you know, way, way, way back, you know, 30 years ago in Ayurveda, that was a seed of vata. And I was like, okay, it's the seed of vata. It doesn't seem like the seed of vata to me. It, it's where all the waste goes. So why would that be the seat of the nervous system, which is you would think would be in your head because that's where the brains are, right? Um, and I just thought, well, maybe it's just sort of like the ballast of your ship and that's where it anchors you and keeps this on track. And that was sort of my rationale way back when. Didn't really have a good understanding for that. Turned out that the seat of vata is exactly accurate. You have 95% of your serotonin and other neurotransmitters that are in the brain produced, manufactured, and stored in your gut. In fact, only 5% of the serotonin in your body is ever is stored in your brain at any given time. And a lot of new researchers are saying that your gut is not only the second brain, which was research done by Dr. Uh, Gerson, a uh, Cornell researcher who found that the serotonin was in their gut at massive quantities, only a very little bit in your brain, stored, manufactured, produced in your gut. But now researchers are saying there's so many more neurons in your intestinal tract that they're actually, many of them are calling it the first brain, which is like, okay, wow. So I guess they were right. And this is the, the, the amazing part of Ayurveda is they keep you know, prophetically understanding the body in ways we're only just beginning to understand. It's just amazing to me. So this is your first brain. This is before you're at least your, for sure, your second brain where there's a ridiculous amount of neurons. And now we know that the vast majority of the microbiology, uh, your microbiome is in your gut. And that's where they live. And there's trillions of them there. 
you know, 95, 90% of the cells in the human body are microbes. The vast majority live in your gut and in the seat of vata. So if the, if the udvartana, if all this is going up, well, that causes a problem. This new condition that people are all talking about called SIBO, small intestinal bowel overgrowth, which means everything from down here went up here. And now we have bad bugs from the gut in your small intestine, which shouldn't be there, creates all these digestive problems. And quite frankly, I think that that condition is a lot more simple to treat than what, what the antibiotics that are being used and, and that, that, uh, that we're kind of just, you know, doing everything can. Here we go again, you know, kill the bugs that are in the wrong place versus trying to bring the balance back and let the body remedy this, this situation itself like it's done for millions of years. Um, so the seed of vata will obviously aggravate the colon or the, the udvartsana will aggravate the colon and create real problems. But it, what it does, it brings the impurities back with it, back through what's called the enteric cycle. All the blood from your intestinal tract go back to your liver. Your liver gets congested. Your bile becomes thick. And that, the liver, by the way, is the seat of pitta, the seat of fire. And, um, and you can get allergies because you have an irritation of the seat of pitta. The, the liver becomes congested. You can get allergies because you have an imbalance in the seat of vata, just the colon itself. It does generally go in that sequence. First, your gut gets out of whack and your seat of vata gets out of balance. And then your seat of pitta, which is your liver, because the enteric cycle brings those impurities back up to the liver, that becomes a problem. And then from there, it continues to go up and it aggravates the seat of kapha and kapha, um, means to stick together. It's the congestive part of us and that's your lungs. So the seed of kapha is in your lungs in the upper stomach and the seed of pitta in your, uh, in your uh, liver and the seed of vata in your colon. So you can sort of get my drift here is that upward moving vata will actually cause dryness and the, the stagnation constipation, irritation of the mucous membranes in your intestinal skin. And then when that intestinal skin gets a little wacky, it gets irritated. So if it gets too stressed out, it can get dry and constipated, which means you don't go to your ba go to the bathroom. And it can cause a reactive production of mucus, um, which the intestinal skin is lined with mucous membranes. So if you irritate them, they're probably gonna do what they do, which is make mucus. And that'll make the stool a little bit looser. If you make too much mucus, overshoot the mucus making runway, you can actually see mucus in the stool. And when you see mucus in the stool, in my opinion, that's a deal breaker. You don't get $200, you don't pass go, you gotta fix that first thing. And we're gonna go back and try to fix all these things here in a minute. Um, but uh, the intestinal skin, when it gets irritated, can react um, in an inflammatory kind of a way. And what's really interesting is that all the skin on the inside can, and even on the outside, can react to the major, most important skin of your body, which is your intestinal skin. That can react in a overzealous kind of an immune way or an allergic kind of a way. It can cause reactive overzealous issues in your respiratory tract, and it can cause, you know, you know, excessive overzealous reactions on your skin on the outside as hives, which is an allergic reaction. We've all known that, you, you know, I remember when I was a kid, I ate too many strawberries and I got hives. I mean, this is very common. This is an allergic way 
at the body proof moving purities out. So we're sort of kind of building this case of why we get allergies in the first place. So the Udvartsana, upper moving vata, can aggravate vata, alter the microbiome. That can be wacky, constipation, loose stools, mucus in your stools. You can't get the good stuff in through the intestinal skin. You can't get the bad stuff out. Stuff gets reabsorbed back through what's called the enteric cycle, back to your liver. Liver gets congested. Your bile becomes thick. Your bile, think about it, in your liver as a seed of pitta, fire, is the Pac-Man that gobbles up toxins in your liver. Gobble, 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 gobble and it cleans, 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 cleans. And if that liver is congested, uh, what we call bile sludge, which is like super common because of processed foods and pesticides that kill the bugs that make the enzymes that help us digest these things, help us poop good and eliminate well. If that ain't happening, toxins will default through the enteric cycle back to your liver. The liver gets congested, bile gets thick, your Pac-Man stuck in mud, can't really do its job. Now, the liver is dumping a lot of these impurities back into circulation, which can cause hypersensitivity issues. So what we're doing here is we're trying to say, oh, well, what if we help decongest your liver? Could that support, you know, less hypersensitivity? What if you support better intestinal skin and health of elimination? Would that support less hypersensitivity? And if this problem continues to go up, it'll build up in the respiratory tract, which is also skin, the respiratory tract is lined with skin. They're lined with mucous membranes. They're called cilia in your respiratory tract versus villi in your intestinal tract. But it's the same deal. They can get irritated. They can produce reactive mucus. And they're all the skin in your body, and particularly your respiratory skin and your intestinal skin, is very much like the three little bears, right? You can't, get, can't allow it to get too dry or constipated or dry sinuses and you can't allow it to get too wet, mucusy stools, looser stools, or post-nasal drip or a runny nose or those kinds of things, which are usually the precursors to a full-blown hypersensitive reaction. So it has to be, like the three little bears, just right. And when it's just right, the intestinal skin supports the growth of really good, healthy bugs, microbes. And your respiratory tract does the same thing, and your skin on your body does the same thing. It all has to be just right. And nature made a... I made a whole deal about that, making sure we got the right foods in the right season in the winter when it's cold and dry and we, the skin starts to dry out. Nature gave us nuts and seeds and slimy, soluble fibers to slime up the intestinal tract and heal it. And then in allergy season this spring, um, you know, we have a massive surge of microbes that come from the soil in the spring. When the ground warms up, all these bugs that go crazy and they start multiplying, they attach to the roots like dandelion and burdock and, and leafy greens and sprouts and you eat those and you have this huge population of new bugs that are immune boosters, and they go into your gut, and they love it there because you've been sliming up your intestinal tract all winter with nuts and seeds and wheat and, and slimy, soluble fibers like oatmeal and chia and flax, all this slime that insulated you and kept you from getting dried out. All these essential fatty acids are there, so you had this high-protein, high-fat, high-soluble fiber diet in the winter, which your body loved because it kept you from getting dry, because if your intestinal skin gets dry, this skin gets dry, respiratory skin gets dry. When that happens, you can produce reactive mucus. Skin would just get irritated and get a rash or really, really dry. But your respiratory tract can produce mucus, which is a breeding ground for some bad bugs. And then you can get yourself in, you know, in an immune compromise type of situation in what we call cold and flu season. So it all sort of fits together, right? So nature made sure in spring, which we call allergy season, which was the whole podcast is really about, 
we protected that. So here it is, uh, March, the beginning of March. We have a month, depending on where you live, um, of winter, sort of. If you're in Florida, sort of the, the, the bus has left the station. Um, it usually gets hot in this time of the year in, in Florida. But for sure, north of Atlanta, you're still looking at, you know, some, some cooler weather and you can still lubricate and slime up and antidote your intestinal skin. After that, in April, we want to start thinking about cleaning the liver out and detoxifying the body because that's what nature is doing. All the bitter roots are being harvested and all those bitter bitters and leafy greens that really clean the body out are available for us, right? So, so, um, so back to our Udvartana, we have this upward moving vata. Well, it would be really good to know what caused that, right? Well, the thing that causes that, and there's an old saying in Ayurveda that apana and prana are the two major vatas in the body. And if those two major vatas in the body, prana, which goes up into the head and upon that goes down into the pelvis are balanced, everything is good. The whole body's balanced. If apana and apana, prana and upana are out of balance, everything can get a little wacky. So what happens when we are under a lot of stress, pushing really, really hard, overstimulating ourselves in numerous ways, whether it be with caffeine or energy drinks or exercise or yoga or work or being a mom or a dad or a caregiver or a cook or whatever you know we do, working way more hours than we probably should, um, you know, we can easily overwhelm the ability to get the prana up to give you the energy that you need. So the apana that goes down to support elimination and reproduction and adrenal function, it goes up to help out. So your adrenals kind of kick in and they start stimulating more cortisol to give you the energy you need. In a way, we sort of borrow from Peter to pay Paul. And as a result of that, we end up in a situation where the apanavata keeps a record of how much money was borrowed so you can go do all those extra things that you want to do. And you do good for a while. Everything is going great. But this is upward moving vata. Everything's now going up, which should have been going down. Apana should do its job. Prana should do its job. And they should stay. One goes up, one goes down. But that doesn't happen over time with stress, chronic stress. If you look and read Ayurvedic wisdom, they're going to tell you again and again and again, excessive activity is debilitating. We now know that excessive activity and stress will take out your good bugs and proliferate bad bugs. We know that excessive stress will shorten the telomeres, which measure your longevity and health. We know that stress will cause you to not produce oxytocin, where if you were in a peaceful, loving, joyful environment, you produce oxytocin, considered to be the longevity health hormone. We know that epigenetically, that when you're under a lot of stress, that that stress impacts your genetic code in a negative way, but you're in a comfortable, giving, loving, kind environment, it actually impacts epigenetically your genetic code in a positive way. So it's sort of pretty clear that when you borrow from Peter to pay Paul, we pay a price. And when those adrenals become depleted um, as a result of, I mean, there are little tiny glands on your, on your, on your, uh, uh, on your, um, uh, your adrenal glands on your kidneys and they're, they're small and they're not, um, overwhelmingly brilliant, 
Um, so they just make energy and they have to go figure out how to get it. And so they, when you're pushing your body to a place where you don't have that reserve, the adrenals will borrow energy and they may make you pull down the, the menu and you'll start craving sugar and stimulants and candy and sweets and chocolate and energy drinks and caffeine. It'll actually uh, take energy from the reproductive system and precurse, uh, take away the progesterone which it precursors directly into cortisols or stress hormones and, um, and then leaves you deficient in your female reproductive hormones, leaves your progesterone low with your estrogen levels high, and that can cause you to have more estrogen, more weight gain, and more stagnation type problems as well. So in uh, the other place, the body will go to get more energy is your thyroid. It'll sort of try to upregulate your thyroid, stimulate you to make more energy, upregulate the metabolism, and if that doesn't work, uh, you sort of crash and burn somewhere along the way there. And um, But all that's in the name of just getting the job done. We have the mind goes, I need to get X, Y, and Z done. I'm going to borrow a computer to pay Paul and do whatever it takes to get that to happen. And all this upward moving vata irritates the intestinal skin, the seat of vata, irritates the liver and the bile ducts and your old Pac-Man, the seat of pitta, and eventually up into your chest, which can cause respiratory stagnation and congestion and, of course, a hypersensitivity reaction, depending on who you are. If you're more vata, you will tend to be more aggravated, maybe even more quickly, because the intestinal skin will become compromised first. So you'll become more vulnerable and more sensitive to food allergies and hypersensitivity type things, because you're more delicate. The boom, the intestinal skin gets wonky. If you're more pitta, it might take a while for that problem manifests until it hits your liver and congests your liver. And of course, the number one abdominal surgery in America today is gallbladder surgery, right? So that's like a lot uh, of gallbladders being removed, um, <clears throat> which is not to say that those are unnecessary, but the question why we are taking out so many gallbladders seems to be a question that isn't asked and or understood. And it's something that Ayurveda talks about in detail. And what we're talking about is how the upward moving vata can cause that. And then uh, if you're a kapha body type, it can take even longer for it to impact your chest and your respiratory tract and, and create um, problems there. Unless you're a kid in the kapha time of your life, see, kids are in the kapha time of their life, they make mucus for a living. Adults are in the pitta time of life, we're fired up and wanna go change the world and work 80 hours a week. And, and then, when we, then we go into the vata time of our life, hopefully they call those, we call those the wisdom years where you get to be wise or dumb. And if you're wise, you realize that you really can't work 80 hours a week and that is where you can and change the world. You just burn out is what happens. And if you're wise, you realize that um, there's something on the inside that I may have forgotten. And that's what Ayurveda talks about is getting that wisdom to realize that um, the inner peace uh, and that inner joy and that inner contentment and the love and the care and the giving for others is, is really key to our longevity and our happiness. But a lot of times we have to live through the mucus making years as a kid into the fired up, burn yourself out years of being an adult. And then you hopefully uh, have enough gas in your tank to, to live healthily in the wisdom years where you find God before it's too late, sort of kind of thing. Uh, so that's how it works. But when you're a kapha kid in the kapha time of your life, eating mucus making foods, mac and cheese and pizza, then 
you know, in the spring season, which is what we call kapha season, what you just did is you stacked a bunch of kapha, right? You stacked a whole bunch of that, and that will create a more vulnerable tendency to get more allergies, which is why kids tend to be more mucusy because they make mucus for a living. And if they're in the mucus making time of their life, eating mucus making foods in the mucus making season, the springtime, they tend to get, uh, they're maybe more at risk for these sense, these hypersensitivity mucus making type conditions. So that's sort of a kapha condition that can come first for kids just because they're in that mucus making time of their life. But in general for adults, it goes, like I said, the vata, the seed of vata, gets out of whack first, then the seed of pizza gets out of whack, and then and then uh, vata. But what happens though, is when that wind starts to blow on that fire, it blows so hot, because uh, when you blow on a fire, it just fans the fire. So everything starts to heat up, and it brings the heat up into the respiratory tract. It's like, it's like um, bringing a blow dryer and blowing hot dryer up into your head and neck, because you have the wind that should be going down, now it's blowing up on the fire, Heat comes up, dries out your respiratory tract, and when the respiratory gets gets dry, it produces reactive mucus. And the excess reactive mucus that you make makes you vulnerable to hypersensitivity or irritation. Pollens, pollutants can irritate them. Because remember, the respiratory tract is the same as the intestinal tract. It's like the three little bears. It can't be too dry or it can't be too wet. It has to be just right. And if it isn't just right, you know, bad things begin to happen. You start having an irritation. In the springtime, there's a massive pollen and nectar surge that takes place in nature, lots of pollutants in the air, unfortunately, and they irritate the respiratory skin and they produce reactive mucus and they get everything moving. So hay fever, right? You all heard of hay fever, which comes at the end of the summer, is sort of an exacerbation of that. Uh, hay is all the hay that's being harvested in the air and all that hay irritates the mucous membranes because you're breathing in all this kind of hay dust and they act as irritants. So you produce reactive mucus as a result of that. The fever is all the heat rising up into your head. And anybody ever had hay fever knows it's not just mucus, it's burning eyes. It's a hot head. Your head is sweating bullets because you're, you're, you just feel so overheated and your nose is running and you're eyes are running and your throat is running and it's like, where does all this mucus come from? That's called hay fever. It's the hay and the fever. And that comes from what's called udvartana, upward moving vata, blowing wind on the fire. The blow dryer blows hotter up into your head and neck. And this is happening at the end of the summer when it's the hottest time of the year. One other Ayurvedic uh, principle is at the end of every season, you have a, an accumulation of the heat or the quality of that season. So at the end of the summer, you have an accumulation of heat, right? An accumulation of dryness, because hot and dry go together. That's what deserts are, hot and dry. So at the end of the summer, you start to get drier and you start to get hotter. So the heat starts to rise and boom, you get dry and hot. If you think you dry your mucous membranes, what are they gonna do? Create more mucus. And if it's hot, it just opens the floodgates give you fever and reactive mucus. Pretty amazing kind of thing. And, it's, and, and, and the unfortunate part about that is it's difficult to put the fire out when it's blowing so hot. And um, so the trick is prevention. And the prevention for that takes place now. 
takes place a season or two because we're moving out of the winter right now where we were supposed to slime up our intestinal tract with soluble fibers and grains and seeds and nuts and chia seeds and, and essential fatty acids and maybe even more protein and maybe if you're a meat eater, more meat, which has more essential fatty acids in it, that slime up, insulate in your intestinal skin, right? Then comes springtime, <coughs> and the spring, the spring is mucus-making season. Um, and to the extent that you allow yourself to get dry in the winter, is to the extent you're going to make mucus in the spring. Make sense? So we don't really want to let ourselves get dry in the winter because we'll make mucus in the spring. So spring allergies, spring hypersensitivity issues can often be caused by what? Not taking care of business in the winter, doing what nature had planned. So then if we don't get rid of the mucus in the spring with the, the bitter roots and the, and, the, and the dandelions and the golden seal to clean and scrub the villa, and that's the call. The deer are digging up those roots as we speak. Um, they're, they're, depending on where you live, they're clean, they're, they're getting, digging up those rhizomes and ancient humans watched them do that. And then they started digging up those roots and they realized that those roots were really nutritious. And of course, in the springtime, the time when there's not a lot of food available and most of your reserves are running lower out, it was, it was survival time and it was famine time. And it was the time the body was forced to burn its own fat. And one of the best ways to get rid of your allergies is don't eat. You probably all have noticed that. If you fast, you don't have the allergies. And that's sort of what the call is to a certain extent in the spring, some type of intermittent fasting. Science shows that people, when we don't eat, our cells make more energy. Our mitochondria make more energy. Our cells literally live longer. Uh, the bad cells, the senescent cells, the, the cells that die that just stay there and kind of clog up the works, they're gobbled up by a process called autophagy. It was Nobel Prize winning science in 2016. And it showed that, that fasting gobbles up all those bad, bad senescent cells that are, that are linked to the aging process. So like, how cool is that? Every spring we get to clean house. That's why we do all of our, our, our Colorado cleanse, which is a powerful way to not only do intermittent fasting, you know, kind of a thing to reset fat burning, but even more importantly, to heal and repair your intestinal skin, get lymph to move, get your liver to cleanse, all those kinds of things are very, very important. Um, and that's why we do it in the spring, because it's the time to make sure that we get that job done. Um, so, so the springtime is also time that we're inoculating our gut with good new bugs, which support the immunity. Your gut immunity gives you 80% of the immune response in your body. So how cool is that, right? To get all that gut immunity from the bugs that come from the foods that you eat, which is why it's really important to eat organic because organic foods are loaded with bugs. That's why it's, so that's why you eat conventional foods, all the bugs have been killed because they've been sprayed. And those bugs make the enzymes to allow us to digest certain foods and detoxify and support healthy mood and stable mood and energy and so many, so many, so many things. Um, so it's very important. That's why we use whole organic herbs at LifeSpa because the whole herbs have bugs on them. Um, turmeric, for example, uh, when we take our turmeric and we mix it with black pepper, which increases the absorption according to the science by 2000%, right? It's crazy. So we do microbial testing on all of our herbs when we get them in the raw form. We test the turmeric in the raw form and we test the bugs in the black pepper in the wrong form. And we always test to make sure there's no bad bugs and everything's good. We put them together. 
16 parts turmeric, one part black pepper, mix it up. And then we take another microbial sample of the final product. And what we see when that happens is this massive microbial surge to the point where, where these products literally become probiotics because you're getting all these incredible diverse microbes, no bad bugs, we test for those, but there's a, a microbial surge. So it might sound weird, but when you're eating, uh, when you're taking uh, extracts, for example, you're, those are sterile products, which is great for you know, getting the biochemical effect of a plant in an amped up way to bring the body into balance quicker. But at the end of the day, I feel the herbs you want to take more on a regular basis to get the body involved in the healing process, once you've got the body out of harm's way, with maybe an extract or a more powerful potent herb, then you go back to the whole herbs. And those are the ones that I love and take way too, probably too many personally, um, because I love the idea of getting all this microbial diversity in our gut. And part of the reason why we are so allergic is because in the seat of vata, we should have a massive amount of diversity of bugs in our gut. But studies show that people have less and less and less diversity. People have, people have one or two strains of bugs in their gut. They should have thousands. It's just crazy. And we have good bugs, right? And we have bad bugs. And we also have, we have spectator microbes that don't do anything good or bad, but they often take up most of the real estate. So we, gotta, we have to kind of continue to inoculate with diversity and do things to get rid of the spectators and repopulate with good bugs. And of course, that's why I use uh, probiotics that are colonizers, ones that stick to the intestinal wall and use whole herbs that are natural food-based probiotics that have herbal intelligence as well. So you get the both the best, best worlds. So anyway, um, I think it's all you know pointing to this is when the Udvartana happens and these bugs go up, maybe like in a SIBO situation or the imbalance is altered, then you don't have the environment to support that good microbiology, which supports gut immunity, and gut immunity supports intestinal health, right? So um, a couple of more things um, we'll talk about. Um, I want to just take a minute and just sort of talk about the unique, you know, imbalances that a vata uh, allergy may have. Um, you know, and, and for the and one of the... Uh, a couple of those things um, for vatas. Let me just uh, grab this here. Um, so when a vata person is out of balance, what you're gonna be looking at is sort of dryness, right? Because that's what the winter does. We didn't slime up, lubricate the intestinal skin the way we should. So when you have dry intestinal skin, you get dry respiratory skin. When you get dry respiratory skin, you get sort of scratchy throats, tickly throats, dry respiratory tract, and then you get allergies or hypersensitivities as a result of that. And that dryness of the respiratory tract is vulnerable to irritation from pollens and pollutants and things like that. And that can cause reactive mucus and sinus congestion and a host of concerns like that as well. Does that make sense? Um, the pitta imbalance can be caused by just the heat rising and kind of heating everything up and drying everything out because of the excess heat. So we have vata causing upward moving dryness. Pitta and people get upper moving heat and kapha react to, kapha types can get upward moving vata and they can get dryness 
and they quickly make mucus because they make mucus for a living. They can clearly get heat from upper moving vata and they again quickly make mucus because that's what they do for a living. And then because their chest is more kapha and congestible, congestible um, or potentially congested, uh, they can produce a lot of respiratory mucus and heavy breathing concerns like that, if that makes, if that makes any sense. Um, you know, the, 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 uh, the weak link in this plan here is, is how uh, does this intestinal skin cause dryness, which we all understand we get constipated, that's a problem. How does that cause respiratory skin to be dry? Well, the missing kind of elephant in the room here is your lymphatic system. Um, that's the one that, that uh, in Ayurvedic medicine, we always treat first. Um, how we treat this condition is by understanding how we got here. We got here by three things. One, your agni, which is your digestive fire, which oftentimes becomes weak, which means then foods can go undigested into your small intestine. And when the agni, I'll tell you how we, how that we got there in a minute too. Uh, when the agni becomes uh, weak or the digestive fire becomes weak and part of there is proteins, anti-nutrients on grains and nuts and seeds and beans and wheat uh, go undigested into your small intestine, they're too big to get into your blood now. So where do they go? They get uptaken into the collecting ducts of your lymphatic system, which is on the, here's your little villi, inside right in through here in the little, the little creases of your little villi are what are called lacteals, which are the collecting ducts of your lymphatic system. And there are the garbage cans. I mean, the lymph system is trying to take all the toxic stuff that's too big to get through the blood out. Fat soluble chemicals, uh, mercury from the coal mine plumes that's on your organic vegetables, the, the millions of pounds of chemicals we dump in the American environment every year, they end up oftentimes getting uptake into the collecting ducts of your lymph. So it's very important to keep your lymph system really functional, which is why the, the Agni, is the very first thing that we evaluate and always want to maintain in Ayurveda. And the very second thing is your lymphatic system. It's called your rasa, datu, your rasa. And the study of rasa is called rasayana. And the study of rasayana is the study of longevity. So the study of, of longevity is literally the study of your lymphatic system from the Ayurvedic perspective. And there's really good science to back that up. I wrote an article about that. Uh, where they found that the longevity was linked to three things. One, the health and integrity of your intestinal skin, which is of course where the lymphatic system starts. The health and integrity of the lymphatic system, which is massively occupying the tissue on the outside of your skin, called the intestinal skin, called the mesentery, which is now deemed, it's been termed the 79th organ of the body. It's now an organ on its own. No one knows that, but it's an, like your liver is an organ. Well, the mesentery, which is massively lymph, is an organ now, and that drains your intestinal tract. And the third thing was the health and integrity of your microbiology. Those three things are linked to the aging process, your intestinal skin, the health of, health of your lymphatic system, and the health of your microbiology, which all depend on each other, and that's the aging process. Very akin to what Ayurveda said, the study of the lymph is a study of the, the uh, longevity or the aging process. So, the, if the digestive fire is not strong, then undigested proteins will go and they'll clog up your lymphatic system. In the beginning of your lymphatic system, there's digestive enzymes that break up gluten and other toxins. And just in case a few rogue molecules got through, but we were never supposed to have the breakdown of digestion that we have today, that we have so many hypersensitivity reactions. And then not only is the intestinal skin irritated and inflamed, 
and vulnerable. So is the respiratory skin and so is the outside skin. We've never had that before. Um, so that's something we have to look at. So think about what your lymphatic system is trying to do, okay? It is the delivery system of triglyceride fats to deliver energy to every cell of your body. It is also the detox system to take the fat-soluble molecules, the mercury from the coal mine plumes back to the liver to be processed, and we can process that in small, reasonable amounts. It is also the carrier of your immune system. And if your lymphatic system gets stuck in traffic, then the immune system is stuck in traffic. And when the immune system is stuck in traffic, that's when you end up with an overzealous immune response, sometimes called an allergy, sometimes called a histamine reaction, sometimes even called an autoimmune condition. That's because there's an overzealous immune reaction. So that comes from the drains being clogged. As we talked about earlier, it's the blood in and the waste out. The Agni is the breakdown of those proteins in the stomach, make sure they're getting really broken down properly. And if that happens, we're in good shape. And that Agni also includes not only your stomach, it includes the bile in your liver to really emulsify those fats from big fats to little triglycerides fats. They can deliver as energy in every cell of your body through your lymphatic system. And if that lymphatic system is congested and bogged down with all these undigested foods, then the lymph can't deliver the fats to give you the energy and you are gonna be tired, maybe even chronically fatigued. If the lymphatic roadblock is, can, continues, the immune system can, can get stuck in traffic. And now we have a situation where this rogue protein, the irritant got into the system, but the immune system is stuck in traffic and can't get there on time. So the body produces a sort of a bucket brigade local immune response, which we call a histamine reaction. And that's how it works. Um, so you want to make sure that that system is clean. And guess what your respiratory tract drains into? Your respiratory-associated lymphatic tissue. Guess what your skin drains into? Your skin-associated lymphatic tissue. So the, 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 the system that connects all the dots that we talked about tonight, if, if you've been following me, is your lymphatic system, the largest circulatory system of your body, your gut, associated lymph in your large intestine. Your mesentery lymph, which is now the 79th organ of the body, is the first line of defense for gut immunity. If that's not right, then the whole lymphatic system begins to congest. When the whole lymphatic system begins to congest, it can cause hives, irritant, irritants, using your skin as an exit ramp through the skin-associated lymphatic tissue. It can cause a backlog of congestion in the respiratory associated lymph. So then when you breathe in an irritant, a pollen or a pollutant, and then that irritant is supposed to um, be, be processed by the little cilia in your respiratory tract, it can't keep up and the, the, that, because the lymph that's draining those tissues is congested. So you get a hypersensitivity reaction uh, in the respiratory tract. One of the old techniques, which is sort of a crazy technique, um, and I know this because I had years ago, uh, uh, I picked a kapha, right? So I had a lot of heat and a lot of kapha. So every, every summer I'd get hay fever and, oh my God, I know that. I know, I'm with you. I know how bad it was. And I tried everything. And one of the things that worked the best for me back then until I healed my gut and my digestion, and I don't have that anymore, was hot water. Just taking a thermos and heating it up, boiling it, and then sipping hot water throughout the day. And the studies show, I found some science I thought was really interesting, that the science 
will actually show that the hot water increases their, your little cilia and they move, right? They call it, they beat. And that's what they call it. They beat, and they beat like a hundred times a second. They beat really fast. But when you take the hot water, it increases how quickly they beat and how efficiently they function. I thought that was amazing. So no wonder why it works so well for my lymph. It kind of got all that mucus out of there a whole lot better. Got my lymph to move, stimulated a lot of lymph drainage there. And all of a sudden I could breathe again. So that's like really, and I'm really pitta at the end of the summer. So when you think drink hot water at the end of the hot season and not, when you have hay fever, it made no sense. But in a lot of ways, the hot water tend to open up those tissues and allow the dryness to be kind of repaired and healed because it wasn't dry. It was the heat sort of moistened it. And then the hot water had an effect on the efficiency of my, the beating of my cilia and the function of my respiratory lymph. So pretty cool. So anyway, that's how it all works. I hope you understand that. So we have to kind of understand how to reboot the Agni. Well, in Vata, the best way to reboot Agni is with Vata's air and digestive Agni imbalances are gassy. So things like ginger and cumin and coriander and fennel and cardamom are really wonderful for breaking up the gas and the bloat and the vata imbalance in the stomach. So the vata agni imbalance, we treat with those five spices. We have a product called Gentle Digest, which is those five spices, ginger, cumin, coriander, fennel, and cardamom. Amazing science behind it. You can read about the science behind when you put all those five spices together. There's like this major synergistic effect on those, which I think is pretty cool. Um, and then if you have a pitta digestion, which is like too much heat, like the heat has gotten so hot, you have upward moving vata causing occasional heartburn and things like that. Then we gotta cool down and de-inflame the intestinal skin a little bit. And we do that with a formula, one called uh, um, amalaki is really good for that. Uh, another classic Ayurvedic powder called avipadakar churna. And we have a formula called cool digest, which combines all these sort of occasional heartburn herbs, which are phenomenal. And that's for the pitta, rebooting the pitta agni. And then if you have kapha agni, which is just boggy and wet and just mucus and the food just sort of sits there, no heartburn, but just the food sits there. There's a formula called warm digest, which is, which is ginger and long pepper and black pepper mixed together in a formula called trichotu. We call it warm digest. And that you take all those before the meals and it works incredibly well. Uh, so those are for the Agni. Uh, for the other side of the equation, to get the lymph to move, you want to be thinking vitamin C is really, really good. Uh, vitamin C formulas with quercetin and different aspects of ascorbic acid, like the rutins, are really good. Nettles are all really good for getting the lymph to move. Uh, we have a formula you can read about called uh, Alarest, which has uh, got a lot of vitamin C support. Uh, as well for the circulation of the lymphatic system as well. Other agents for the lymph that are very, very good, all the foods that are really good for the lymph, uh, beets, uh, anything that would dye this shirt red, blue, or black, like a blueberry, a blackberry, a, a cherry, uh, a raspberry, any of the berries work, beets work, cranberries work, pomegranates work, all the, and your leafy greens, those are all your classic lymph, lymph movers, exercise, hydration, hot water, those are all your lymphatic movers. They work really well. Herbs for your lymphatic system, my favorite for the lymphatic vessels is Mangista. An herb we have called Lymph Cleanse, which has red root in it for the kind of the lymph nodes. 
sort of the train stations and the train tracks, Mangista for the train tracks, lymph glands for the train stations. Uh, the white pith of an orange has a chemical in it called diosmin, which has been shown to uh, decongest uh, lymphatic function, great for cellulite and microcirculation and lymph drainage. And that's a form we have called lymph vein HP, which is an extract of the, of the white pith of the orange, which is kind of really cool. Uh, Brahmi, Centella Asiatica, your formerly called Brahmi brain, is really good for the brain lymphatics, which they just discovered four years ago at the University of Virginia. And they found that the brain drains three pounds of chemicals and plaque out of your brain while you sleep every night. How important is that? And there are herbs that they use Ayurvedically, we call it Brahmi brain, for getting the brain to drain and circulate the brain lymphs out efficiently. They've been using that for thousands of years, how they knew that one as well. And uh, you know, getting uh, really, really good sleep as well is very, very important. The other part of the Agni equation is your liver. How did we get your liver to move? Well, I wrote an ebook if you want to know, and uh, that called the Safe Liver Cleansing ebook, and you can learn a ton about what are called cologogs. Cologogs are lymph mover or bile movers. Uh, apples, beets, celery, ginger, turmeric, fenugreek, artichokes. Uh, all of these are bile movers, or what are called cologogs. Uh, uh, turmeric increases the contractibility of your gallbladder by 50%. Fenugreek does it by 75%. Um, you know, apple, beet, celery, juice in the morning to get your cologogs in, to get the bile to move a great way to get it all to go down. See, the thing that's going to turn the univarkin down is liver, because liver has, is the power, the bile is the downward moving agent, and that's really important. Herbs like triphala, really good for vata because it's really good for the downward flow of your intestinal tract. Really, really phenomenally good herb, really great. But triphala also has great signs for decongestion your liver and your bile ducts. And triphala is really good for the respiratory tract as well. So it becomes sort of a, you know, you know, kind of, you know, uh, tridoshic kind of one size fits all herb for supporting healthy digestive function, healthy elimination, and, uh, you know, dial down the, the inefficiency of digestion and lymph congestion, which is uh, very, very important. For those people who are really, really super pitta, there's an herb called neem. Neem is a, a formula that, uh, an herb that comes in the spring and takes most people right through the entire summer into the fall. And it's naturally antiseptic. It's naturally uh, reparative for the intestinal skin and respiratory skin. So it's sort of the, that, you know, when you think about in the summertime, so many bugs are growing, right, in the springtime. So this neem has been used for thousands of years. She just has sort of the, 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 the prebiotic to make sure that the right microbes get into your gut. So every spring, right through the summer, I always take neem throughout the entire year because that keeps, keeps the bad bugs from taking advantage and, and proliferating. Um, back to vata, things that will help kind of for the respiratory tract for vata, eucalyptus, camphor, rosemary, ginger, cayenne, peppers are really good to help get that, get that you know, respiratory tract um, uh, moving. I'm sorry, these are for kapha, excuse me. So for kapha, eucalyptus, camphor, rosemary, ginger, cayenne, peppers, obviously these are all mucus breakers. Like I said, turmeric, cinnamon uh, is very good. We have a formula called beet cleanse, which has uh, beets, and fenugreek, which increases the contractibility of the gallbladder by 75%. Cinnamon, a natural rotor-rooter for the bile ducts, uh, you know, very good. Honey, believe it or not, uh, is uh, incredibly good for the, uh, 
for uh, kapha because it breaks up the kapha and congestion as long as it's raw honey. From the Ayurvedic perspective, you would never want to heat it because it actually it takes away that kapha breaking property. So that's important. Um, for pitta, you know, allergies, ghee, which is very cooling, clarified butter, aloe vera, uh, an amalaki formula called chayavamprash, amalaki berries are harvested at the end of the summer as a super cooling agent. So our apples, so our pomegranates, so our watermelons, so our leafy greens, all these are the super cooling agents to help deal with that hay fever. So at the end of the hot season, don't be eating barbecues with spicy food. That'll just fire you up even more. Think about what nature's harvesting in, in, in a major way, like apples and pomegranates and celery and leafy greens. And, and all the sweet fruits, in fact, are very, very cooling. Fennel, cilantro, cilantro seeds, you harvest those at the end of the summer, makes... Uh, make uh, coriander seed tea. Uh, fennel is harvested at the end of the summer as well. Make fennel seed tea as well. All really, really, really good ideas. Um, for the vata, you know, the vata can dry you out, give you post-nasal drip and things like that, give you a tickle, kind of a cough, and then, and then like I said, like dry, irritated respiratory tract, then the mucus, then the allergies, and that's how it can become a problem. Uh, fresh ginger tea is really good. Um, Powdered ginger is a little more heating than the fresh ginger. So for vata, the fresh ginger is going to be a little better. Doing an Ayurvedic daily massage is so good to calm the, the sensory overload that vata types have. Um, making a ginger, honey, turmeric paste and having that to, for the upper respiratory tract, really good for vata. Hot water, again, really good for vata and their allergies as well. Tulsi tea, really good. Slippery elm tea, we have a formula called the, the, the slippery elm prebiotic called slippery elm with slippery elm marshmallow and licorice root it's one of my most most effective formulas for starting from scratch and healing the intestinal skin we take this three uh, uh, roots the slippery elm marshmallow and licorice root and barks and we boil them down into a concentrated tea and we take tablespoon dosages and coat the whole intestinal tract like the peptobismol commercial you know really really valuable for healing and repairing your intestinal skin and then of course you know, fibrous foods, sociable fibrous foods like oatmeal, flax, chia, things like that are all very, very, very valuable. So, um, so there you have it. Uh, I hope that makes sense and, and gives you some ideas of how to, how to deal with your, with your seasonal allergies. You can just kind of look and see if I'm more vata, then I got to deal with the dryness and winter is the time to do that. If I'm more pitta, uh, I want to deal with the heat in my body and that's going to be more liver based and not letting the heartburn kick in. And that's, we talked about all the herbs that are natural cologogues. You can read my Safe Liver Cleansing ebook to get way more detail about how to do that. Um, and then uh, for pitta, the herbs like neem and amalaki are phenomenal for that. They'll keep the pitta down. Uh, the alarest is also very good for that. And then for the kapha, uh, who have more tendency to congestion, the herbs like turmeric, really great breaker upper of kapha, ginger, uh, herbs like that, the, 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 the warm digest herbs, uh, all those really pungent spicy herbs to kind of clean things out, break up the mucus are good. We have a formula called mucus destroyer, which is exactly for that to help break up the mucus in the respiratory tract as well. So you can take a look at that as well. So there are really some good strategies for you to, to do that. But, uh, you know, again, it's always question your digestion and, and, uh, uh, you may want to, uh, take a look at every, every so often I, offer uh, our uh, our free training called question your digestion so stay tuned for that because that's a great way to 
to dive even deeper into the digestive process because like Ayurveda says, 85% of all imbalances start in the digestive system. So we keep becoming better able to fine tune and understand you know, the ins and outs of our digestive skin and our, our digestive system and our intestinal skin. Okay, well, stay tuned for our next podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Dr. John Duyard.